Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. This morning, like Tim said, we're diving into our next topic on, of well-being. Uh, we're looking at God's plan for your well-being. Today's day eight, the start of physical well-being. Isn't it good to know that God has a plan for your well-being? He has a plan for my well-being, for human flourishing in every sphere of life, the complete fulfilment of shalom, as Sim talked about last week. And right now, we're going to spend some time thinking about physical well-being. And it's such a privilege to be able to speak on a topic that I care so much about and that I used to reflect in so much of what I did. I realised preparing this talk that my physical well-being was perhaps not quite where it used to be, where I briefly entertained the idea of doing the whole talk whilst holding a plank pose and then realised there was no way I could fit my talk into about 15 seconds. I don't know what your thoughts are on physical well-being, whether you find it uh, confusing, bewildering or downright unattainable. To be fair, what are you meant to think when you discover that there's more calories in a banana than a glass of wine? And when you realise that simply owning a healthy eating cookbook and having a gym membership doesn't do any good at all. You actually have to use them. It is confusing. And so as we look at this topic of physical well-being together, I want to start by tackling two really big questions. Number one, what even is physical well-being? And secondly, and probably more importantly, does physical well-being even matter to God? So let me introduce my prop for today, no expense spared. This is the stool of physical well-being. So this is the top of a stool. And um, thank you, Trevor, for knocking a stool out for me. This represents our physical well-being. And this morning, I'm going to talk through the three legs that I think our well-being sits upon. But presuming we have physical well-being, then what does it look like? For me, a good enough definition, although I'm always nervous of definitions when there's doctors in the room, but for me, a good enough definition is uh, that a person has a high, with a high level of physical well-being is able to participate in all the goodness of life unhindered by the state of their body. In other words, feeling well and looking well, normal on checks and psychosocially stable. This isn't looking bulked out on Instagram uh, or looking like a magazine model. It's just a general state of wellness, not necessarily perfection, whatever that might be. And then question two, does God even care about our physical well-being? Because if we escape these mortal bodies to, to float on a cloud for the rest of eternity, does looking after the body really matter? Surely the spiritual supersedes the physical. Well, let's look again at the story of Elijah together. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah is warned that Jezebel is intent on murdering him. And in verse 3, we read this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. In other words, Elijah is done. He has literally been running for his life. He's laying down in the hope that God will let him die, burned out. And we don't know if this is physical, mental and emotional burnout from his encounter with the prophets of Baal, or whether this is the physical burnout of running 100 miles from Jezreel to Beersheba. But we do know what God does next. Then he, Elijah, lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up, 
and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So did God deal with Elijah by making sure he got some prayer ministry? No. Did, he, did the angel read the Torah out to encourage him to just keep going? No. Did his left behind servant suddenly reappear from behind a bush, crack out a guitar, play him some worship tunes to lift his spirits? No. God let him sleep. Then he gently woke him and made him eat freshly baked bread. That's got to be a glimpse of heaven. A refreshing glass of water. Then he sleeps more, eats more, drinks more, and then strengthened, he completes what he set out to do. As you'll read tomorrow in your books, Ruth Haley Barton says, God did not waste time trying to deal with him intellectually or even spiritually because it wouldn't have done any good. He began by dealing with Elijah's physical weariness and depletion. And so that's why I don't buy into the idea that God's not interested in the physical. In Garden City, John Mark Comer says, the sacred secular divide is this erroneous idea that some things are sacred or spiritual and they matter to God, but other things are secular or physical and by implication they don't matter to God, at least not as much. He goes on to explain that there is no word for spiritual in the Hebrew language because in the Hebrew worldview, all of life is spiritual, even the physical. And Jesus didn't buy into the sacred versus secular thinking either. To him, life is a seamless, integrated, holistic experience where the sacred is all around us because everything is spiritual. Yes, God is spirit but he chose to create a physical universe. And Jesus Christ, son of God, became a real human with a physical body. He was physically crucified, physically resurrected, and is now at the right hand of God in heaven, ruling and reigning in a glorified, resurrected, physical body. And throughout the gospels, Jesus tends to people's physical well-being through stunning, miraculous interventions in their lives, through re-establishing the principles of Sabbath rest, and by cooking delicious barbecued fish for his tired mates after a tough night's fishing. And other scriptures tell us that God cares for our physical well-being too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're told to honour God with our bodies, to be good stewards. And 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 says that physical training is of some value for the present life. And I finish labouring this point with these words from Psalm 139, taken from the message paraphrase, and I love these. It says this, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul. I am marvellously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. God knows how you were made. He's your designer, he's your inventor. And who could be better placed as an advisor to your physical well-being than your very own creator? 
And then finally, whether you like it or not, you are a physical being. And therefore, even if you wanted to, you cannot escape the inevitable reality that your physical well-being is impacting on your life at every moment of every day. And if it's impacting on your life in every moment of every day, I cannot conceive anything other than to believe that God really cares about it. So I might have laboured that a little bit. Let's get back to the stool of well-being, physical well-being. God really does care about your physical well-being. And I think our state of physical well-being is balanced on three things which are all important. And the reason it's a stool with three legs is very simple. And we'll build the stool in a minute. You've got to get all three right. If one leg's broken, no matter how strong you make the other legs, you're still going to fall over. A while ago, I went to an evening lecture presented by a GB athletics coach. I went because people promised that the evening would improve my running and racing and because, frankly, sitting in a lecture was far more appealing than actually going running that night. I anticipated that this great coach was going to tell me I needed to run more, like a lot more. Instead, this coach said that to be a good athlete, you need to concentrate not just on training, but also on recovery and nutrition. Or to put it into less running jargon, you have to have a good level of physical well-being, you need to think about healthy eating, regular exercise and good sleep. All deeply spiritual matters. And these are the legs to our stool, so let's look at them briefly one by one. Firstly, the first leg that supports our physical well-being is healthy eating. The book talks about this uh, much more, but there's a couple of suggestions that are less obvious that I'd like to make today. Great. Firstly, I think we often underestimate the importance of hydration. Water in the body is essential for moving waste products, lubricating joints, transporting nutrients, controlling temperature, and it can even make your skin look good. You should be drinking about two and a half litres of fluid a day. And although you'd never guess it by looking at my skin, I drink way more than that. I'd also just gently suggest on this topic of healthy eating that you can eat healthy food in a way that's not healthy on some of your other dials in life. Instead of peppermint tea, tomato juice or spinach smoothie, I used to tell my sixth form sport and PE students that I thought the healthiest drink was an occasional pint of beer. Because actually, if an occasional pint of beer gives you a great social interaction, lots of relational connection, conversation that helps you process your emotions, and if it gives you some time to sit down and have a rest, then it could have huge health benefits. Equally, if calorie counting is causing you stress and making you tired, that could have some negative effects on your health. That said, there are loads of great apps that can now help you track what you're eating if you'd like to do that. But small decisions stuck with over a long period of time seem to work. A short, intense diet is really ineffective, but a long-term reduction in something simple like portion size is really effective. You can have a well-balanced diet and still eat too much. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says that whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And in chapter 6, although he's talking about sexual immorality, he says that although we have the right to do anything, not everything is beneficial. And both Proverbs and Winnie the Pooh, who admittedly isn't in the Bible, warn us that it's good not to eat too much honey. The second leg that holds up our physical well-being is regular exercise. 
The same principle as before applies here. Little changes over a long period of time are far more effective than short-term, more drastic interventions. Walking in your lunch break every day will have far more benefit than running intensively for a month, injuring yourself and then giving up completely. Now, I know that God, you may have noticed, didn't make Elijah do a workout. But to be fair, he'd just run 100 miles and the journey wasn't even finished yet. And it's also worth noting that Obviously, since Bible times, our travel, leisure, work and general lifestyles become unrecognisably sedentary compared to the overridingly physical experience of our ancestors. And it's been an encouragement to me to see that out of all of the hurt and the harm and the tragedy of COVID, one of the tiny silver linings is that it appears that so many people have taken the opportunity to establish new rhythms of exercise in their lives. And then thirdly, the third leg of our stool of well-being is the leg of good sleep. If COVID has potentially enhanced participation in regular exercise in the nation, it has certainly had no silver lining in terms of the nation's sleep. In January this year, the BBC reported on coronasomnia, where pandemic-induced disrupted routines and ongoing uncertainty were evidenced to be leading to a surge in insomnia. Southampton University showed that the number of people experiencing insomnia rose from one in six to one in four. So 25% of people are now reporting insomnia. And I've come to this leg last because it's where it gets personal for me. So here's my disclaimer, I'm not an expert. In fact, if you struggle with your sleep sometimes, I'm talking to you today as someone who knows how you feel. The horribly ironic thing is that on Monday night, I had a terrible night's sleep, in part worrying about preparing this talk on the importance of good sleep. So if you wanna know some good habits for sleep hygiene and how to deal with being awake in the night, stick with the reading plan this week. But I've recently come to realise there are very few things in life that I do for seven hours without preparing and planning. And so we should treat the same for sleep. We need to be planning and preparing during the day and especially during the evening for a good night's sleep. Avoiding things like caffeine and late night Netflix, alcoholic drinks, large meals late at night, hot bedrooms and stressful conversations are all things that you can do to enhance your sleep. But right now, as we start thinking about coming into land, I want to speak for a moment specifically to those of you who are watching and are struggling with your sleep. The first thing I want to bless you with right now is the knowledge that you are not alone. You are not the only person who lies awake at night praying that God would help you get back to sleep. You're not the only Christian this happens to. You're not alone. And hopefully comforted by that knowledge, I'd like to just suggest three really simple things to you. The first thing is this, meditate on scripture. I try and make it my first thought in the night to meditate on scripture. I often recite the Lord's Prayer or learn and meditate verses like Psalm chapter four, verse eight. It says, in peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Secondly, my second bit of advice would be explore your anxieties. It's not the case for everyone. But my insomnia, although sometimes induced by poor sleep hygiene decisions, is predominantly the result of worry or anxiety. And we'll explore this in the weeks to come more. But if the reason for your poor sleep is related to worry and anxiety, I really encourage you to acknowledge this and to get some help. There are so many things that we can do or learn or practice so that we can be less burdened by worry and anxiety 
at night. And then the third bit of advice I'd humbly give you this morning is to ask for prayer. One prolonged season of particularly poor sleep came to a head for me when we were at the church weekend together last time, back in 2019. And clearly this wasn't helped by kipping in a cabin where the beds are made of cardboard or by sharing a room with Abigail who snores like a stormtrooper. But either way, the result was I got very tired. And then as if it was some sort of last resort, I finally started asking some people to pray for me. And it was the strangest coincidence. After I asked people to start praying, I started sleeping better. Prayer wasn't a last resort in the sense that, oh no, nothing else has worked, let's try prayer. It was more just that admitting sleep is a problem was hard to do. And I I didn't feel like it was worth troubling other people's prayer lives for. I learned that in my sleep life, I need to be way quicker asking my friends to pray for me when I'm in a poor sleep patch. So if you struggle with with sleep, then ask someone to, to pray with you today. Uh, Luke's going to start playing in a minute. I just want to read some verses over us, particularly thinking about sleep as we come to finish. So I hope that's been really helpful to you. Remember, this is just the start of a conversation. So please do bring your thoughts and reflections and feedback and questions into your wellbeing groups this week. But I want to read a psalm over you, then I'm going to pray and then I'll finish off. And I read this over you as both a prayer and a blessing. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's take a moment to pray some of those words together now. Loving God, thank you that you knitted us together and you care for us intimately. Thank you, Lord, that when we lift our eyes up to the mountains, we get help. And thank you, Lord, that you do not slumber or sleep. You never sleep. God, help us to know that when we sleep, you're still watching over us. You're still protecting us. You're still our shade. You're still protecting us from harm. God, help us to sleep and hand the worries and the burdens of the day over to you in the knowledge that you don't need to sleep and that we'll be able to run with them again in the morning. Thank you, Lord, that you watch over all of our coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. And so, like I said, I've used a stool because you need all three for your physical well-being. If you have a poor diet, getting extra sleep isn't suddenly going to compensate for that nutritional loss. If you don't exercise, no amount of healthy food is going to make your bones and muscles stronger. So perhaps in your small groups this week, it might be a good start to spend some time exploring each of these three elements, good sleep, regular exercise, and healthy eating. Which is the weakest on your stool? Which is the area which you need to reinforce? The reason it's a stool and the reason it's got three legs is because you do need all three to be balanced or else the stool will not stand. 
So I hope that's been helpful to you this morning. Let me finish with these words from 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. This is my prayer for you as we finish. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.